Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. Whoever said it was downhill after 40 is clearly missing out. Pat Gallant Charette discovered a love of the open water and a gift for endurance midlife, and she's determined to make each moment count. Somewhere between taking care of her grandkids, tapping her maple trees, canning Boston baked beans made from scratch, and general Maine homesteading, Pat still finds time to train six days a week. Newly 70, Pat assures us that she has a long bucket list of swims yet to complete. And after another tide turn just shy of reaching the opposite shore, denying her from completing her seventh ocean, she's incorporated speed work into her training. Watch out, world. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, Pat. Okay. What's, what's your story? <laughs> oh, what's my story? Yeah. I started, I started late in life uh, with, with um, open water swimming. Um, I had a fear of swimming in the ocean. Uh, and that was all attributed when I was a young teenager. Um, I went clam digging off the coast of Maine. And we got caught on a sandbar. We had to swim for it. And uh, I was only like 13. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of my brothers screamed shark and I totally panicked and I thought I was going to drown. Yeah. And, yeah. and for years and years and years, I only went up to my waist, even though I know sharks can come in. But at that time, you know, it was like I wasn't going to go any deeper. Uh, and then years went by and here I got married at 21 and started a family and went on to college and. And all of a sudden, here I am, 46, very busy as a nurse. And, um, and then um, we had a tragedy that happened in our family. My youngest brother, Robbie, at the age of 34, died suddenly of a heart attack. Hmm. And so Robbie, when he, yeah, when he was a teenager, he was diagnosed with extremely high cholesterol levels. And we knew that one time he would have an issue, uh, but we thought it would be when he was an old man. We never thought that the age of 34 and he right. was very active. But back then, and don't forget, this is 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he died right before Christmas. And at that time, my youngest child, I have two children, uh, was 16 and he was on the high school swim team. And he said he wanted to swim a local uh, swim, uh, Peaks to Portland. Mm-hmm. It's a 2.4 ocean mile swim. And he wanted to do it as a tribute to his uncle Robbie. And I remember saying to my son, Tom, I said, that's so sweet. I wish I could do the same. <laughs> and he looked at me, he goes, well, now you can if you try. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so the fear started to set in. So where did I train all the time? Up to the lake. And then someone said, you know, Pat, if you're going to swim in the ocean, you better start training in the ocean. Mm. Uh, so, so I started training. I'd go down to Pine Point and, um, you know, I'd swim just up to my waist along the shoreline. And uh, the day of the event it took me over a year before I even qualified. Mm. And um, also my first day at Davenpool in Westbrook, I actually asked the lifeguard to keep an eye on me because I was unsure if I could swim two lengths of the pool. Yeah. You know, even though I was a strong swimmer when I was a teenager, but 30 years had gone by. Right. And I was filled with a lot of self-doubt about my swimming ability. Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember even my very first peaks to Portland, just standing there and just seeing all these young athletes. And here I was, gray hair, overweight, And I'm thinking, you know, what did I get myself into? You know, again, that self-doubt just Mm -hmm. kind of crept right in. And then I said, well, this is a tribute to your brother. Just get your butt out there and finish. It doesn't matter if you come in last. This is a tribute. So, So anyway, and plus I said to myself, and this will be the last time you ever do an open water swim. (laughs) 
So, so as I was swimming from Peaks Island to um, East End Beach in Portland, something clicked. By the time I got to Fort Gorgeous, I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. And it was like, oh my word, this is beautiful. You know, I had no swimmers around me because they were probably all at the finish line, <laughs> but, but it didn't matter. It was right. just, it was just, it was so beautiful. Uh, and then when I finished, I, I remember saying to my son, you know, I think I'll try this again. And it really wasn't until probably three or four years later that I recognized in my early 50s that my endurance was picking up, mm. which I was really surprised because as a nurse, I just didn't think that my endurance uh, would substantially improve, you know, to go from you know, feeling like I won an Olympic medal the first time I swam 30 minutes nonstop. I mean, I got out of that pool thinking, oh my God, I just did 30 minutes to all of a sudden feeling as though I could swim a hell of a lot longer than 30 minutes. Mm. And so I started tapping into that and then it just kind of snowballed. I found I could do two hours and I wasn't tired. So I said, well, I'll train them. I'm going to do a three hour swim. And I just slowly improved. I didn't just go out one day and do three hours. Right. I just, you know, as each week went by, I just added a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, I could do these long distances. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can remember swimming across Sebago Lake. Uh, it was the area that I was swimming was about a six mile swim. And when I finished it, I wasn't tired. And I remember turn, turning to my husband and I said, you know, I know I can go much further than this. And he looked at me because why don't you try the English channel? <laughs> uh -oh. Well, okay. And, but don't forget many years ago when I first started, I didn't know of any marathon swimmers, none. I didn't right. know anyone from Maine, open water swimming 24 years ago. It was just these little local events, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't know of any great distance swimmers. So a lot of it, it was all self-taught and mm -hmm. I made a ton of mistakes um and um you know but but anyway i just caught the fever and <laughs> i haven't looked back let's go back to the ocean fear real quick so you said you kind of did did waste deep water for a while and but how do you how did you kind of face those how did you face those fears okay um even in my training now okay if if i happen to go down once the water's warm up here in maine but when <laughs> i do go down a pine point um, I will only swim in waist depth water parallel to the beach because the anxiety is incredible. Um, but on the day of the event, whether it's swimming uh, from Molokai Island to Oahu or swimming Cook Strait in New Zealand, I put those fears all on the back burner. It's like, you know, I have boat pilots, I have a crew. Uh, the boat pilot has his crew, they're monitoring the situation. And I just, you know, put that anxiety away. Uh, but a couple times uh, during my swim, the anxiety came, came back for my Catalina swim. Is that right? Uh, California. Um, we joked that, you know, what happened if something did come, what would I do? And I said, well, of course, you know, get out of the water, you know. But anyway, we were one mile from the finish line. And all of a sudden, I had something that was bigger than me go right underneath me. And I could touch it if I wanted to. Oh, boy. And, and I screamed so loud that I'll tell you, I could have made some horror movie, you know, with that scream. Uh, and my crew were laughing. They said, Pat, look, they're dolphins. But I didn't think, you know, that dolphins were that big. But in California, they're pretty good size. <laughs> and, uh, but I got a dol dolphin escort to the finish line. And oh, wow. it was about 100 dolphins that uh, came from north, south, east, and west. They all congregated and they followed us uh, to the finish you know, wow. but, um, but I've certainly had, you know, other times uh, when I was swimming between Molokai and Oahu, I got bumped at 3 a.m. Mm. And I just about stood on the water. You know, it scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. But they said it had to have been a dolphin. They put spotlights on. 
And, um, and I think it was a dolphin because uh, my leg was still there, <laughs> right? you know, and yeah. uh, so I just continued with this one. Yeah. So if someone asked you for advice for overcoming the anxiety, it just, just put it to bed, get swimming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you have to, you know, because, you know, you have chances in life, you know, you get in the car, you could get in a car accident. Yep. You could be, you know, walking downtown and some cow lose control and hit you. You know, you mm-hmm. can't live your life in fear. You, you have to, you know, rely on your boat pilot, you know, your crew and, and go from there, you know, yep. and uh, just, you know, um, not to miss an opportunity because I mean, I look, look at life now, I mean, I'm 70 and if I would have done, let's say 24 years ago that I was going to just do the peaks to Portland just that one time and call it quits, you know, I mean, I would have missed out on a tremendous amount of, you know, the, the amount of people that I've met worldwide, all the swimmers, coaches, pilots, it's just been an incredible adventure. And I'm so glad that I, I took that chance and I put those fears aside. And, um, you know, so. That's probably could be said about pretty much any fear, right? If you put that fear aside and just see yeah. what kind of, see what opens up on the other side of that fear door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. Um, so 24 years ago, you did the 2.4 mile swim. And then um, when was your first like kind of marathon-y distance swim? What was that? Uh, my first big marathon was the English Channel at the age of 58. But it was around 52, 53 that I recognized mm. that I had this endurance that, yeah, I, that I wasn't even aware that I had. And, well, you were a nurse, right? So you were doing like 12-hour shifts and all that and, stuff. And, and so many times that when I was working as a nurse that, you know, before I got into marathon swimming, I'd leave work absolutely exhausted. I'd go home, sit on the couch, watch Oprah, you know, get supper going, do laundry, you know. And the thought, once I started getting into the swimming and I learned, boy, you know, I could head down to Pine Point, you know, the ocean and swim after work for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, but she's gonna be so tired. Well, it was just the opposite. I found that I was energized once I started my swim. And it was, and I kept on saying, well, Pat, you know, you'd be laying down on the couch here. You're laying down in the water, in yeah. your arms. And the thing is, I, I really felt um, incredible after. And it was yeah. like, I loved it. And I looked forward to going on a number of swims after work. Yeah. When I wasn't babysitting. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, and you get to take the, the gravity, you get to check that at the door and lay in the water. I can only imagine that. But, yeah. but, but you kind of, but this innate sense of endurance, you kind of keep ta- speaking to that. So that's, do you think that is an innate sense of endurance? Or do you think that, something people can find or do you have I, to I have it people, already? I think people can find it um, because as a nurse, I thought that once someone reached a certain age, whether it was 50 or 60, that it was kind of like downhill because that's what you hear. I mean, right, that's right. That's, that, that's the whole 40 thing, right? And then it's all downhill, overhill. Yeah. Hoover dreamt that up. They weren't, oh, they weren't yeah. a marathon swimmer. <laughs> yeah, so I, w- I was, I had fallen into that trap thinking, oh, you know, geez, I'm in my 40s. I can't improve on this or that. But once I started really just pushing the envelope a little bit, and, and again, I didn't go from swimming one mile to 23 miles. I went from swimming to one mile to a mile and a half. And I train another couple months and I'd say, okay, I'm ready for two miles. Then I do a two mile swim. And, and that slowly built up over a few years that it was like, wow. You know, and then when I got to the point where I could swim for four hours nonstop freestyle, I found that there's not much difference of how I felt at four hours than I did at 10 hours. And that's when I recognized that um, I was one of these endurance athletes. Mm -hmm. And and even now at the age of 70, this is my strongest year ever in swimming. I'm getting faster. Uh, My endurance level is... um, I know I could do a 24 hour swim tomorrow if I, if I wanted to, I, wow. I just feel as though I'm capable of doing it, That's you know, fantastic. but again, 24 years ago, absolutely not. Or even as a teenager, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do that because, you know, you have to slowly uh, train your body. You know, you just right. can't go and do something, you know, of that distance overnight. You have to just slowly build up to it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So speaking to that buildup up to your first English channel, what was that buildup like? How did you train for that first English channel? Well, again, I didn't have a coach. So I went online and I read what endurance marathon runners did for training. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to incorporate what they do, but I'm going to swim instead. And a number of these merit and uh, ultra endurance runners, they wouldn't run 25 miles every single day. They would have one very long run, like every other week. And the mm -hmm. other days were like four or five mile runs. So I said, oh, I'll do that with my swimming. So I, I'd have an hour or two that I'd swim in a day. And then once every two weeks, I would do like a four hour swim. Then two weeks later, I would do a six hour swim in one day. And then I just slowly built up to the English channel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what I did, I found that you could actually do an eight hour swim on a Saturday, an eight hour swim on a Sunday, and your body thinks that it just completed a 16 hour nonstop swim. Mm -hmm. And the first time I ever heard of that, it was like, oh, I don't think so, but it's true. <laughs> And, and the very first time I did uh, over a 16 hour swim was my English channel. Uh, the longest swim I had done before that, I think it was a 10 hour or a 12 hour swim, mm -hmm. but I had absolutely no problem uh, swimming um, my very first attempt of the English channel. I mean, I was well prepared for it. Right. What did it feel like to finish your first English channel crossing? Well, uh, it was a failed attempt. Uh, and what happened, I got 1.7 miles from the finish line. I had no doubt I was going to make it, no mm -hmm. doubt at all. And all of a sudden, the currents changed, and I was being pulled away from France. And on that day, there were no swimmers that made it in at that, on that tide, oh. which was unusual. But I spoke to one of the boat pilots, and he says, you picked, it was such a freak uh, current that day. And back then, uh, they didn't allow you to just swim in place and wait for the next tide. Oh, okay. You know, back then they'd say, okay, you're done. And basically, you know, we had a, a crew meeting. I was in the water. I was going backwards. And um, so the swim was stopped. But, but the thing is, before the swim started, I made a decision. It was like, okay, if this, a if this is a failed attempt, what are you going to do? And my first reaction was, you're going to go back because you know you can do this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I prepared for it, you know. And, um, and the thing is, you know, so I know some people don't like to hear the word fail. Mm -hmm. um, but I have no problems with it because, you know, you learn from it, you know. Mm -hmm. And granted, it was a DNF. But I've had a lot of DNFs in my career, um, probably the queen of the DNFs. And uh, I mean, the number of my attempts, North Channel between Ireland and Scotland, I, I had my first attempt, I was a half a mile from the finish going for the world record. And it was stopped because the, um, the riptide started and I was oh, going backwards. Yeah. And I knew I could do it because I wasn't tired. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, give me the opportunity. So I, I did go back and I uh, was successful. And same thing with the Sugu Strait in Japan, my first attempt. I started swimming and within an hour or two into the swim, I could see that the tides were not in my favor and was giving me the scenic route and I, and it wasn't supposed to do that. So uh -huh. I had uh, talked to the boat pilot prior and I told him, I said, I don't, I don't think the tides are going to be working in my favor. And he said, they will. Well, they didn't. So, <laughs> so anyway, I brought it to his attention. I stopped swimming and, um, and I said, I want to try this another day. And there was another swimmer. We both started at the same time. She was swimming for 10 hours. Oh, wow. She didn't make didn't it. Didn't make it. <laughs> but we both started uh, two days later and we were both successful. What do you think was your biggest learning from one of your unfinished attempts? Uh, that it's, it's okay uh, not to finish. And mm -hmm. you just have to kind of brush yourself off and get right back out there and do it. Because if you've trained and you know you can do it, then mother nature will win every time. You just have to have 
that attitude that you have to respect mother nature. And if she says, eh, it's not your day, right? It, then it's not your day. You just have to go back and try again. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, you know, so such is life. <laughs> what swim are you the most proud of? Probably the English channel, uh, because in 2017, I got the world record for the oldest woman and, and for family, friends that the English channel is probably the most prestigious of all the marathon swims, but putting that one aside, I would probably say the North channel, uh, between Ireland and Scotland, uh, just because, um, I had a few swimmers kind of roll their eyes when, when I told them I was going to attempt the North Channel, you know, like, geez, you know, overweight grandmother, you know, and it was like, well, I'll show you. Exactly. (laughs) But, um, but I would say the the North Channel, um, and that was a tough swim just because of all the jellyfish, the lion's mane, I got stung every inch of my body. Uh, but, but I, I was determined and because I knew I, that I trained and I'm a very slow swimmer. I, I'm not fast at all. And John can, you know, attest to that. Um, but, but the thing is I, I do have the endurance and I'll get there when I get there, you know, mm-hmm. and this time for the North channel, uh, the, the tides, I made it in, I'd say within 10 minutes before the riptides uh, started. Oh, wow. If I would have been 10 minutes slower, the swim would not have been successful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tell me about um, finishing Lake Memphremagog with one arm. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, again, I didn't have a coach. Okay. Okay. There's a theme here. (laughs) Yeah, I had um, someone look at my swim technique and, and I made a mistake that I put in a new strategy, okay, for my freestyle that what was happening for years, whenever I took a, a stroke, I didn't reach out, okay? I would just mm-hmm. put my arm and then pull. And, and I found out that, oh, no, you're supposed to, you know, kind of reach out. Mm-hmm. So that day, <laughs> we're going to do it. I didn't think that swimming 20 some odd miles doing that would cause spasms uh, along my rib cage. Oh, wow. And, and I wouldn't be able to use my arm, <laughs> but that's what happened. It was a big mistake, you know, but again, you know, you learn real quick. And, <laughs> uh, and that was something because I, I was doing, oh, I don't know what kind of stroke it was. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, uh, but I finished. And I think it took me six extra hours uh, to, to get to the finish line. Uh, but you know, after swimming 15 hours, I wasn't about to throw the towel in for a little spasm just because I couldn't lift up my right arm. You know, it was like, you know, I mean, other than that, I felt fine. (laughs) (laughs) So one arm gives out and you're, you, you're not like, okay, I don't, I don't, I should, I should abandon the swim. The the first thing that occurred to you was just keep going with one arm. Yes. I (laughs) So the one thing I've always done, I always have a plan B Mm -hmm. and I've always thought of, okay, what happens if, okay, I get injured and it's like, okay, if I can't use my arm, what should I do? And I was thinking, well, you know, there's amputees that swim the channels. They don't have an arm. Uh, There are amputees that don't have a leg. So if I got a severe cramp, I would just wouldn't use my leg. I would just use upper body to pull me through. So I've just thought of all these different scenarios that would happen. And, uh, and I have plan B's, plan C, and uh, you, know, um, you know, because when you train hard and, and you travel and you, you, know, you bring your crew out there, you know, I mean, you don't wanna throw the towel in, you know, an hour after you swim. Um, for instance, Loch Ness in, in Scotland, Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that that water temperature was very warm that year. Is that right? <laughs> when I got in that water, you can look at the video that's online and you can see me swimming with my head out of the water the first maybe 40 seconds. And the reason for that, I could not put my face in the water because yeah, I felt like I was swimming in ice. 
Oh, wow. And, and when the swim started, I had, what, 20 miles I had to swim? I said to myself, there is no way, no way you're going to swim for you know, 16, 17 hours in this. Absolutely no way. And then I was thinking, well, there's no way you're going to quit after getting <laughs> three crew members and paying you know, for a condo, paying for all this expense of quitting an hour into the swim. So I continued and I just happened to be lucky to have a, a very strong tailwind mm. that pushed me uh, to the finish. And I was able to do it in 13 hours, but I froze the whole way. You wow. know, but again, just stubborn, you know, when you train hard and you pay all that money and it's like, eh, you know, suck it up. <laughs> Stubbornness. It's a good quality. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what it did, was there, so it was really cold, hard to put your face in, but I mean, kind of the ongoing cold, like how did you kind of fight through that throughout the whole thing? I, I, I really didn't. It was, it was hard the whole way. Uh, the okay. whole day. It was even uh, for the English Channel in 2017. Um, I ended up going in June, and it, you know, I knew it was going to be a little bit colder, but I didn't expect it to be that cold. <laughs> and my first two steps into the water off of Shakespeare's Beach, it was like, oh, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> And I kept on saying, well, when that sun comes up, it's going to warm up that water. Wrong. (laughs) And then when those oil tankers went by, that water beneath brought up. I mean, it felt like it was in the 40s. You know, it wasn't. But that's what it felt like. It was probably, I don't know. I can't remember now, but it felt low 50s, you know, and I was expecting high 50s. Mm -hmm. But. But, you, you know, as marathon swimmer, you know, you know that there's a finish line and you know that, hey, you know, you've done this before. You can swim 16, 17, 18 hours, feel miserable for the 18 hours. But once you reach the finish line, you'll be glad you stuck it out. Yeah. Tell me what it feels like when you finish that, get to that finish line. It's, it's a great feeling, but uh, there's no celebration. It's like, I thought I'd be, you know, jumping up. On, no, none of that. It's like, okay, it's done. Time to warm up, get bundled up. And we wait to celebrate the day after, you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, my crew members have been fantastic. Um, like for the North Channel, I did have some hypothermia. And, and when I was successful, I mean, I was, you know, oh, I was just so excited. Uh, but they wrapped me right up and, um, you know, it was like, it's no time to celebrate. You know? <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, warmed me up. So, yeah. What do you prefer, fresh water or salt water? I prefer the fresh water uh, just because of the anxiety. Um, mm, reduced anxiety. But, but it's not going to stop me. I have a swim in September. I'll be swimming out in California, Anacapa Island, the mainland. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, 11 miles. And, um, you know, again, I'll just put the fear you know, the shocks, you know, on the back burner, um, you know, and then uh, hopefully the pandemic will be over soon. And I'll, you know, because I have a very long uh, bucket list of swims and yeah. I want to start picking one of those off because this year has been hard because, you know, I was planning on doing three or four swims, mm-hmm. you know, uh, before my 70th birthday, but you know, but the pandemic, everything was you know canceled or, or if you got to a certain country, you'd be two weeks in quarantine and, right. you know, and you had to stay in your hotel room and it's like, yeah, I'll stay, stay in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. How has the pandemic been for you? It, it's been a challenge um, uh, because my daughter is a full-time nurse and I, you know, care for my grandchildren. She's a kidney dialysis nurse and she also cares for uh, COVID positive patients. And uh, so, you know, there's a concern about, you know, her health and also bringing it, um, you know, anything home for the grandkids, you know, she's a single mom and um, you know uh, but so far, you know, we, we've all been healthy, Uh, but but I'm one that I certainly keep myself busy and I'm not one to sit around and during the time that the pandemic was closed, uh, you know, closed the pools and everything was shut right down. 
Um, I found other things to interest me. I was tapping my maple trees. I do a lot of pressure canning, um, preserving, dehydrating food. Uh, I started a garden, which you know, I never had a garden, you know, before. And I said, well, well, I guess I'll start a garden. And the thing is, we grew like 20 some odd different types of vegetables and fruit. And wow. I made lots of jams and jellies and, you know, preserve. So anyway, you know, I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep yourself busy for sure. That's yeah. great. Um, how has your training evolved over the years? Uh, well, I'll tell you, in my early years, I really put the time in. And, and I slowly built up to the point where I could swim for several hours. And now that I, I know that I can swim that distance, I, I'll maintain, let's say, two hours a day of swimming, six days a week. Um, and if I have a big swim coming up, I will certainly put a, a longer swim in, uh, like for the summer. You know, I'll be swimming up to Spago Lake. And the longest I'll put in is probably going to be four hours because I know I can swim 24 hours. I, I have no doubt. But for any beginner swimmer, I would say to slowly build up where you could do a 10-hour swim in one day, at whether it's a lake or the ocean, uh, just because it gives you this incredible confidence that you can meet that challenge. Because, you know, if you can swim 10 hours, um, you know, on a Saturday, then you can do a marathon swim, you know, English Channel, North Channel, you know, if you do all the cold acclimation and all the other stuff. But your, your body um, recognizes that it can do a great distance. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and now, um, you know, because the pandemic, I mean, uh, I could swim up to three hours in a day at the pool that I go to, but right now I don't have to um, because the Anna Caper is only an 11 mile swim mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be able to have my long swims this summer because it's not till the end of September that yeah. I'll be doing that. So I have plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Elaine Howley said something on our call Tuesday, we were talking to Jeff Mallett um, but he, she called it the, the confidence of experience. And I thought that that was the great, just the great way to phrase it, you know, like that by having those little swims, those little build up swims, you get this little confidence and that's your little, yeah. you build on top of that, right? Each one, every, every swim, whether it's a one mile swim or a two mile, once you've completed it and your body knows that you can swim one mile, then you can easily swim a mile and a half. You complete that, and then you, you just slowly build up, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, 25 miles, sure. <laughs> you know? uh, so, you know, but it's, it's true. Yeah, yep. What was your, um, your favorite swim that you, when you think back on it, like the one with the best memories? <laughs> uh, probably the Catalina. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason for that, the swim started at midnight off of Catalina Island. And when we got there, it was an overcast night and I, I couldn't even see the island, you know, because they, they bring you to a desolate area of the island. Mm -hmm. So they said that when they got within a hundred feet, they would put a spotlight and I would have to jump off the boat and swim to shore and get on dry land and raise my hand. And uh, anyway, when we arrived, they said, okay, we're going to put the spotlight on. And all of a sudden, when they put that spotlight on, all these flying fish came out of the water. Oh, wow. In a flying fish. I had, coming from Maine, I've never seen flying fish. Well, I'll tell you, they, they were coming out of the water. I'm talking hundreds. They're going like 40, 50 feet in every direction. Uh, you know, a little Mainer, I'm looking at this. Wow. And all, <laughs> then all of a sudden, we could hear this flapping sound. And this large pelican, um, it was a brown pelican. The wingspan on that thing was massive. Landed right where the spotlight was. And all of a sudden, you know, two sea lions popped their head out of the water. And I'm looking at this and it was all these little, little fish, anchovies, thousands going by. Then my mind started to think, oh, I wonder if the big fish are behind me. <laughs> and I remember standing there and all of a sudden right behind us, we hear this whooshing sound and it was a whale right, right behind the boat. Now here I'm supposed to jump in the water and I'm looking at the uh, Catalina officials and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I don't want to quit now. <laughs> I haven't even gotten in the water yet. But all of a sudden, six dolphins came right up to the boat 
and they were, you know, just swimming. And it was like, oh my word. So I jumped in and I had to swim to the shore. And as I started, I got caught up in that, that giant kelp that you hear about. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. It's like swimming on the ground. That's all I can <laughs> describe. Because I knew I was in water, but I felt like I was swimming in an inch of water. <laughs> and, and that lasted for about 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, I'll never forget this. And then the rest of the swim was um, the sounds of whales uh, for probably 70% of the swim. Oh, wow. I could hear. It was like I was in a soundproof booth with whales listening to it. You know, whales communicate. I mean, that's oh. all I could hear. I, I couldn't even hear the boat's motor. Wow. All I could hear was the, these sounds. And it was like, you know, wow. Isn't this cool? <laughs> you know? So, so then all of a sudden it was sunrise and I could see the coast of California and then I got the scare of my life <laughs> one mile out. But, but then to find out there were dolphins and, um, you know, it was just incredible to have about a hundred dolphins surround me in the boat. Yeah. And we went right to the finish line. And, That's great. Uh, so I would say that was probably the most incredible swim, you know, of my career. Yeah. You know? No, it's not so much the distance, but it was the experience. Yeah. And uh, did you have the bioluminescence? Oh thing? yes, yeah. Oh, so that's cool. All, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. But one of the hardest swims of my career, and I was shocked with this one, was Lake Ontario. Tell us. Oh, I'll tell you that that swim. We started at the mouth of the Niagara, and they said that there were lampreys in the in the area. And I'm thinking, oh, lampreys, they're like eels. <laughs> and, and so anyway, I went online, researched it, and, and I heard that years ago, uh, there was this one uh, swimmer that lamprey attached to the swim, and he had to pull it off. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my word. So anyway, I started swimming, and the next thing I know, I wasn't in that water five minutes, and it felt like snakes going around my ankles. He's like, what's his, and, and John Gale can attest to this. I'm not a kicker. But my <laughs> crew were shocked to see me kick. I was kicking up a storm and they had no idea that it was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I didn't want them attaching. Uh, but when I did my research, I heard that Lake Ontario have these upwellings. Mm. And upwellings, you could be swimming in water temperature that is like 70 degrees. And with one stroke, go from like a 70 degree feeling to 40. Wow. And, and when I started my swim at the mouth of Niagara, water temperature was mid 60s. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, this is bath water. This is going to be a wonderful swim. About two miles out, I hit my first upwelling. Uh-huh. I, like I was swimming in 40 degree water. Wow. It was like, oh my God. How long is this going to last? <laughs> and I continued to swim. And it was probably a half a mile. And then all of a sudden, it was like going from one room to another. It went from ice cold to toasty warm. Wow. And, and I was saying to myself, oh, my God, am I glad I'm in this bath water now? <laughs> it wasn't even 10 minutes. With one stroke, I was right back in the 40s. You know, it was, just, it was such an incredible experience. And, and that swim took me just over 24 hours. Wow. And, and in that swim too, that was the swim that I started to notice that I have a, a visual, um, uh, what do you call it? Perception problem. Hmm. And, and I noticed um, about the 16th hour that I would look at the boat, okay, and it was dark. And when I would look to the side, I'd see the boat again. And I thought, boy, that moved awfully quick. How, how could that happen? What it was, whatever I saw, my brain took like a picture and it was like, um, I would turn and I'd see the identical thing that I just saw there. Oh, interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Because at the, at the finish line, they said, um, head for the tower. And I looked at the tower, I could see it. But when I turned my head this way, I saw another tower. And I said, well, which one? Huh. And they thought, geez, we're kind of getting confused. But, but um, I noticed even on dry land after hmm. that um, we were, uh, my crew and I were in the back seat and the driver 
I was driving down this uh, road that had a lot of trees and I happened to look at the trees. And when I turned my head, it was like, like having a, a negative, you know, film negative of the trees that I just saw it, but they were in the middle of the road. And I knew it was false, mm-hmm. but it was a visual perception. Huh. And, um, and uh, one of my grandchildren, he said that it was a visual perception disorder. Hmm. And it says it'll clear within um, a couple of hours, which it did. But I was went it to from the- swimming, like for so long? Or yeah, he okay. said um, that is from looking at darkness. Oh. And then you look at print, huh. and you look at darkness, print, darkness. He says you do that several hours. And your like brain is used to looking at this. And it, when you go into darkness, you bring that print right with you. Where? And that's exactly what happened. And it cleared. And I hmm. haven't had a problem since. Wow. But um, a couple of swims that were close to 20 hours, I noticed. Uh, so now for any future swims, they can't give me uh, visual uh, because I, I might see triplicate. Mm. So if they want me to go to the right, they have to say, Pat, you need to go about 10 feet to the right. Interesting. Or 10 feet to the left. Um because they can't say aim for, you know, the tower. Wow. Because what will happen, I'll see multiple towers. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so what has been your longest swim today? You said Lake Ontario was 24 hours. What's been your longest swim today? Oh, I'm muted. The wrong person. Hold on, Pat. Where'd you go? Sorry. Can you unmute Pat? It's my fault. Okay, <laughs> put my glasses on. Sorry that. about that. <laughs> That's my fault. Okay, you were saying 24 hours was that yeah, Lake Ontario? That was my longest, Lake Ontario. And, and I, I would say in my marathon swim career that Lake Ontario was probably the top three of the mm-hmm. hardest swims that I have ever done. Mm-hmm. And it was because of the upwellings. Um, not so much the distance, it was those damn upwellings. <laughs> they just came whenever you, you just didn't know that, you yeah. know, the toasty warm and then all of a sudden you're swimming through ice and I mean, well, it felt like ice. Yeah. I like how you said it, like you're swimming through rooms. It's kind of a funny visual, but I could see how that would get really annoying after a while. You're like, I just want to stay in the bathtub room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, but I've had a lot of interesting swims through my, my career when, you know, there's no regrets. Uh, each one was very unique. Mm-hmm. Even my uh, Cook Strait New Zealand swim, you know, that was uh, to be so close to the finish line. But it wasn't meant to be. And, yeah. uh, but the thing is, um, my strategy years back was just to build on the endurance. I never worked on speed, mm-hmm. which was a mistake. Uh, but, you know, at the age of 70, it was like, you know, you should have been working on speed years back. But again, I didn't have a coach. Yeah. You know? And that was the biggest mistake that I ever did. I should have been incorporating not only endurance, but also picking up the pace and picking up the pace for, you know, as long as I can, and then cut it back. So my training now is a lot of speed work. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm faster now than I've ever been in my career. And, um, and again, that surprises me, you know, you know, being Stephanie, but again, you know, you got to just keep your mind open to those possibilities. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, you won't know unless you try. And I certainly tried working on speed, and it is working for me. Yeah. And, uh, so that's excited. You must be excited about Anna Kappa. Yes, I am. Yeah. 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 I'm looking it's, forward to that. Yeah. Um, what have you learned about yourself over your marathon swimming career? I've, I've learned that I'm one determined lady. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> I'm not about to throw the towel in. And my swims, okay, I never once say I want to quit. Um, there was only one swim that I thought about it. It was Molokai. Really? Because I got stung in the mouth with a jellyfish. And those jellyfish out there are worse than the ones off of Ireland. And I got bumped. And it was like, oh, 
is this worth it? Yeah. And it was, and it was like, well, you know, Pat, you could be shopping in Oahu right now. <laughs> you know? And then, and then it was like, you know, wait till sunrise, because once the sunrise, there's a just total mental change in a swimmer, you know, yeah, that's and true. that, and that's what happened. I waited till sunrise. But I mean, but I did come close, but all my other swims, they were stopped because of mother nature, you right. know, um, you know, either, um, you know, currents were bad. I wasn't fast enough to make it to the finish line, like for Cook Strait. If I would have been a faster swimmer, I was certainly would have been successful, but I was not, you know, a uh, fast swimmer. You know, I mean, granted, I got within what two miles of the finish line and I could see the finish line and I, the endurance was there. I, I had enough endurance to do that twice. But the thing is, I didn't have the speed, mm-hmm. but, but I'm, I'm getting the speed now. So, so we'll see. Yeah. Yep. Um, how do you handle hard situations when it really gets hard and you just don't want to do anything? You don't want to don't want even want to take another stroke. How do you get through that? As far as, well, I can remember the swims off of uh, the English Channel. Very, 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 getting... oh. All right, try now. Oh, can you hear me all right? I can, I can hear you. Yeah, I had to mute somebody that just joined. Some people keep coming on. I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, one of the swims uh, was the English Channel. Um, it got very, very rough. But I, I just, you know, I train off the coast of Maine and, you know, I've trained for all those conditions and, uh, you know, it was, it was important that I learned to bilateral breathe because I prefer to breathe on my right side. Mm-hmm. But on that day, <laughs> waves were crashing on my right side. I'm glad that I did learn to bilateral breathe on my left. And so, again, I have always a plan B in place. And uh, any of these challenges, whether it's being stung by jellyfish, uh, because the first time I got stung by that lion's mane's jellyfish, it was like, okay, well, you didn't go into anaphylactic shock. So (laughs) So I continued to swim and I got stung every inch of my body. I saw hundreds, hundreds of lion's mane's jellyfish. You can't avoid them in the North Channel. So I just, uh, you know, it was a challenge and I just said, okay, you know, you haven't gone into shock, so just keep on swimming. <laughs> um, do you think that you've learned more from life that carried over to swimming or more from swimming that you've carried back to your life? <laughs> I would say I'm a little bit of both, but, you know, I, I grew up with, you know, six brothers and a sister, and I lost my brother Robbie at the age of 34. And I lost another brother at the mm-hmm. age of 17. He was oh, uh, accidentally electrocuted in high school in a, in a classroom uh, physics lab. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and um, yeah, so my family's gone through some very hard times. And I've learned that life is precious mm-hmm. and to really enjoy each day. And, and I've been fortunate that I have my health. And, um, and I, I just keep myself busy. And I, and I look at that, what my family had been through that, you know, facing a pandemic, it's like, yeah, just go with the flow, you know, uh, can't swim for, you know, four or five months, pools, all pools closed, yeah, find something else, do your cross training. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I did. I, I uh, changed the attitude and looked at it like, you know, things could be a lot worse. You could be sick right now, which yeah. I was not. And it was like, you know, you, you have to um, always go to a different way of thinking if things aren't working out. Like if you can't, you know, let's say we have another pandemic and everything's closed and do cross training, you know, do something else, you know, keep your endurance up and, um, you know, then, then go for it. Because right. once this pandemic is over, watch all these swimmers <laughs> full force, you know, booking everything there is. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I like to talk about it with clients and things. It's like, it's get, you got to get perspective. It's like getting, you know, like getting a different vantage point. And then you can see the situation. And then you're like, okay, you know, yeah. just. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you have to do. You know, you just can't, you know, sit back and say, well, I can't go to the pool today. You know, so I'm going to sit and watch TV and eat chips all day. <laughs> We can't do that. You know, if you can't get to the pool, you know, then you, you know, you got to do something like when I was working as a nurse and then 
15 minutes after I got out of work, I had my young grandchildren and they were, you know, ages like five, uh, three and one years old. What I did, I, I put them all in this three carriage and I take them for a walk. Yeah. And it's like, we'd go out for a walk for an hour, but that was my exercise. Yep. Or I'd bring them and they got a little bit older down to the park. And I got my exercise at the park. You know? <laughs> so I mean, I, you know, and even um, in the wintertime, I would take the kids sledding or tobogganing, um, you know, just if I couldn't get to the pool, that's what I did. I, mm-hmm. I'd find another way to build my endurance and, and try to stay active. Because I really think, you know, for me being the age of 70, um, I can see that this activity has helped me tremendously. I mean, I, I see some people that are much younger than me, and it's like they look like they're 100, you know, but, you know because they're, they're, they're not active. Right. You know, they're walking very slow and, and uh, you know, but I, I think uh, staying active the older you get, it, it has a lot of health benefits. Mm-hmm. Are you grandkids swimmers? No. No. They, they, they love <laughs> like the, the water. water. They love the water, but they have no intention of getting on any competitive swim team or anything of that nature. They're just enjoying, you know, everything. Kids, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm certainly not going to push them in that direction, you know, but but they've learned, uh, you know, they've heard all these adventures that I've been on. And and, uh, I think one of the cutest um, what swims that I had when I was swimming Lake Windermere in England, mm-hmm. I had these swans come up to me. Oh, and, and to have swans, I mean, I had to avoid them because they were just, you know, big white swans, wow. you know? Yeah, they were curious. I mean, one of them, I could have touched them, you wow. know? And my brother got a picture of the, you know, the swans. And so the kids, you know, have enjoyed hearing all these, you know, stories of meme yeah that's awesome I think it's um yeah and I when I asked the question about them swimming I think you know they have their whole lives ahead of them to discover swimming and people can start swimming whenever they want so we don't have to push them into competitive whatever yeah do whatever they want yeah uh what motivates you to keep going I enjoy this I really do Mm I I love swimming I love the training uh, even though on some days, I, when I get to the pool, it'd be like, eh, you know, maybe I should have stayed home. But once I get in the water, it feels great and no regrets after. Uh, but there's just so much fun to the sport. You know, you meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it's just something about being in that open water and, and the tranquility of that. You know, because I don't have the pressure of that oh, I have to, you know, get to the finish line in such amount of time, you mm-hmm. know, except for the Cook Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, but all my other swims, it's like, oh, I'll just take my time. And it's just oh, it's so tranquil. I mean, I, I just love it. And I, I don't see myself ever retiring from this sport. Mm-hmm. And um, I just hope to stay healthy and I'll continue with it as long as I possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Shannon. (laughs) appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash marathon swim stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.